The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. This is episode 29, another fantasy baseball edition, a starting pitcher edition. And tonight, I have a special guest with me. Um, you can find him on Twitter at CTM Baseball. His website is ctmbaseball.com. He's a starting pitcher guru, but he knows all of fantasy baseball. He's in a ton of leagues, big hitter leagues. You can hear him on tons of podcasts. He's on radio shows, especially FNTSY radio. I am talking about none other than Matt Modica. Matt, how are we doing this evening? I'm doing well. It's another day closer to baseball. There's a big WBC game on tonight, so good times. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we were talking before this recording, and uh, it's a good thing we started recording because I think we would have just kept talking about everything under the sun. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's it, it's great. Baseball is so so close. Um, like we said, WBC is going to be an awesome game tonight. Venezuela USA. King Felix taking the bump for Venezuela. Um, yeah, a lot of good things to talk about, and I'm glad to have you because if uh, people aren't following Matt, make sure you, you do check him out, that Twitter handle, CTM Baseball. Um, he tweets out a lot of good stats, uh, stuff to keep in mind when you are looking at things for your fantasy drafts especially, things you don't think about when you're drafting pitchers especially. Um, uh, cause you, you usually just look at names and rankings, but um, you don't look at the real picture, and he helps you look at uh, – the grand scheme of things, we're going to go over a lot of that today about different, um, you know, groupings, I would say, that people talk about. And uh, the first set we'll kind of look at is a couple of big names that are in the headlines these days, uh, injury-wise. We'll start with Max Scherzer, came into camp with a, a busted right ring finger, uh, his knuckle, started with a, working with a three-finger delivery. He's coming off a great year, as we all know. He's got the goods, and the Nationals are going to need him this year. He finally um, was able to throw an intra-squad game. They're trying to get him out there for a real game. If he's able to only miss a little part of the season, like like a 10-day DL stint maybe to start the year, what's your outlook on Scherzer this season? As of today, I still have him as number two. I don't blame anybody for going Madison Bumgarner. But uh, until I know he's not going to start or miss multiple starts, he's just been so good. I mean, he's got two Cy Young Awards, one in each league. I mean, the strikeouts are there every year. It is concerning with the new grip, but maybe that's just – I think that's something he's just tinkering right now, 
so he can build up the arm so he can be ready. Come, I mean, if he misses, if he starts game five of the season as, as opposed to game one, that's not really a big deal. So I'm not really that worried yet. I'm monitored for the next week or so before all big drafts and everything gets really ramped up. So I kept him at two. I don't blame anybody for taking Bumgarner over him. He's not really a main concern of mine right now. Yeah, like they're saying, the reason he started with that delivery was to make sure he could keep playing catch to get his arms strong so when he could be healthy, he'd be ready to rock and roll. Um, Scherzer's a horse. He's always been able to keep the innings up. We, I, I agree with you completely. As long as everything's structurally right in the important parts of his arm, I'm fine with him. Um, a, a guy that I am worried about because the important parts of his arm, even though some doctors say they are unique, I am quite concerned. Um, I'm talking about David Price, and I'm very curious about your outlook on this. Uh, he coming off a 17 and nine season, a 3.99 ERA through 230 innings. That's uh, a big, big uh, a t- 10 innings more than uh, 2015. But he's been he's been a workhorse. And um, he's doing what he's paid to do. I'm concerned. Uh, what's your outlook on David Price with this uh, elbow issue? In my uh, recent rankings, I mean, originally I had him at like 12 before everything, or before all the news broke. And I was actually looking for a bounce back season for him. But, I mean, he's pretty much a guy that I'm not going to draft. I think I just put him at number 30 overall, just because there's some good news. But personally, I'm not drafting him. There's too many pitchers that I like that are currently fully healthy. And even if he only goes on a DL stint to start the season and say he came back mid to later April, I'm still going to be concerned that at some point he's going to get shut down. If there's the slightest pain in his arm, he's going to get monitored, shut down. He's going to have to ramp it up again. It's just not something I see that's worth gambling on. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's exactly how I feel on this one. Um, I've never been. I've, I've been a David Price fan. I've never usually been a an owner of David Price. He seems to go a little too high for my liking um, in drafts. Maybe because I draft a lot of East Coast guys and they just they they flock to him. Um, but I'm definitely not touching him now. It's the reason I never touched. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, uh, I, I'm just the guy that if you can have surgery, have surgery. That's just my theory. I understand people that don't want to do that. But um, when there's an issue that can pop up at any moment and you have to take a draft pick that high that you're risking a guy could literally end your season, I can't take that risk. Um, risky picks to me are later in your draft, not early in your draft. So price won't be on my teams. Uh Next up, I want to go to a little category because this is something that it always makes me laugh every year. There's a group, especially I've been fortunate um, for most of my life. I've never got to experience a world championship. And then I've been spoiled for a couple of years uh, with the Giants. And we have a workhorse named Madison Bumgarner. And then we had Matt Cain for the first couple of years where their workloads were insane. And everybody kept saying they're going to be garbage the next year because, oh, they threw so many innings. There's no way they can have a great year. I want to get your opinion on this because you you really dive into the stats and you dive into a lot of the, the details on this. And I'm looking at the sixth, seventh, and eighth starting pitchers ranked currently on Fantasy Pros. 
The sixth being Corey Kluber, who last year threw 215 regular season innings. I'm not even getting into the playoffs. I'll let you dig into all that here in a minute. Jake Arrieta is the seventh. He had 215 regular season innings. And John Lester is the eighth. He had 202. Obviously, they all went to the World Series. Seven-game World Series series. Uh, and everything else they pitched. So we're probably talking over 250 innings for all these guys, give or take. Um, I want to hear your opinion on this because it's a pretty good one. Let the listeners know what to expect from these three. Well, with Corey Kluber, I mean, he's been he's been a workhorse as well. I mean, 235 innings, 222 innings. And then, as you said last year, 215 plus another 34 and a third with the uh, postseason run. But I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold it against Kluber. I think he's been a guy. He's not he's not experiencing the dramatic increase of innings from the previous couple of years. He's been at this level of uh, innings demand. So I I have Corey Kluber ranked fifth overall. I'm not really worried. I mean, anybody can go at any time, but I'm I'm not at all concerned about him. As far as a Jake Arrieta. My main concern with Arietta, I mean, the year before he took that big uh, leap in innings, and it, it showed in the playoffs when he faced off against the Mets, and he just wasn't as sharp, and he was getting tired. But and the first two months of uh, 2016, he was vintage. You know, he was the Jake Arietta that we all expected, and then he lost the control, and he had he had a second half swoon kind of. I mean, he still finished the season with a 310 ERA. But the main thing, I had a problem with Arietta entering this season. And granted, I think I still have him maybe like 12th in my rankings. But it's not a guy that I've been targeting. Is the, uh, however you want to define it, the cutter, the slider, that's his bread and butter pitch. And the usage took a drastic uh, decline last season from the, uh, I mean, as the season progressed, it went down. And he had, he had pretty high uses of it every year. It's a big strikeout pitch for him. So that's my main concern with Arietta. But he's been a little better than I expected this pre, uh, this spring training. So so maybe there's a uh, – maybe I'm wrong on this, but something to monitor. And what about uh, Johnny Lester? And with John Lester, I just tweeted out. Somebody asked me about Lester a, a couple of hours ago. When is his arm going to fall off or something? And I pretty much said, I'm just going to keep drafting John Lester and expecting 200 innings until that doesn't happen. I mean, I don't have the magic potion or, you know, the the guy's done it for like, I think it's the last nine years in a row. He has 190 innings or more. He plays on a really good team. I mean, last year's defensive team was amazing. Everybody ranked like, you know, top four of the top guys ranked like the top eighth in Babbitt. But the one thing about Lester I'll say is I expect him to be more 2015 this season than last year. But 2015 wasn't that terrible. I think he finished, say, with a 334 ERA. So maybe it's a 323 or a 315 or a 325. But if he gives me 200 innings and 200 strikeouts, I would sign off on that right now. Yeah, I have his baseball reference page up right now. Over almost 200 innings, like you said, ERA – three, five or less in like seven of those years. Uh, K per nine of almost eight. Those are as consistent as consistent can be right there. So when you're drafting someone that high in your draft and, you're, and you can just lock that up right out the gate, that's something 
when you want reliability, that's reliable. That's that's lights yeah, out. I, I believe him and Cole Hamels are the two pitchers to pitch 190 innings consecutive for the last nine years. Uh, but the op- but I feel the opposite on Cole Hamels, who's been one of my all-time faves, believe it or not, as a Met fan. Somebody I've pretty much rostered every season in fantasy for like the last decade. But I think he I think he's finally going to that four ERA level. I mean, the writing's been on the wall since his move to Texas. At I mean, at Globe Life Stadium, whatever they call it now, it hasn't been too kind. The whip went up last year, so that's like the true divergence. I'm still with Lester, but Cole Hamels is outside my top thirty. Just out, but he's outside. I'm glad you just brought him up because we didn't have him written down, but I've seen a lot of people very high on him, and um, I am not at all. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that ballpark to me does not bode well for anybody. Um, those hot, hot summer days and evenings, that ball just, it's like a racquetball is getting pitched in that stadium. And I know Cole's a great pitcher, but we saw it there so many times. And even in the postseason, I know the Blue Jays lineup is special, but you put, you know, most, you know, above average lineups in there there's going to be three or four guys that are going to be able to tee off on some of those fastballs if you just barely miss your location. Um, I don't see how, like you said, that 3-5 ERA turns into a 4 ERA real quick. Now you're a 500 pitcher, and you're not a top 25 fantasy, not top 20 fantasy pitcher at all. So I completely agree with what you're saying there. And I see a lot of people have them ranked pretty high still. So – that's it. I'm glad you glad you brought that name up. That's very very interesting there. Yeah, I still see a lot of people having them like right around the top twenty. And I would love to do it. I was looking for every reason to, but I just I think I got them. I'd say 34, but I just couldn't put them in the top in, in the top thirty. I'd rather yeah, take ball- I'd rather take the risk on say Lance McCullers and his yeah. upside than Cole Hamels this season, which is pretty crazy to say. Yeah, I can't argue at all. And we will definitely get to that other name later on. That's one I definitely want to talk about. But speaking of one of Cole Hamill's teammates, I want to talk about some um, some pitchers with some massive injury history, either coming off injuries or just seem to always be hurt. Um, and we just don't know what to do about him. Let's talk about one of his teammates. You Darvish banged up, came back last year, um, looked like he had some pop once in a while, threw 100 innings, had some strikeouts, 132 Ks and 100 innings, pretty darn good. Um, everyone's really, really high on the guy. What should we expect from you? Well, I'm, I've been riding the Darvish train. I've been drafting him since I started drafting on Thanksgiving weekend. And I think the way he was handled last year was correct. He only pitched 100 innings, but it, it was you know it was managed well. This is his final season under contract with Texas. This is a win. Uh, uh, this is a win team. This is a team. Excuse me, a win now team is what I was trying to say. So they're pretty much they're going for it. And like I said, he's not going to be babied anymore. I think he's ready. Uh, the second half of last season, he led MLB in uh, strikeout percentage with like thirty two point one percent or something like that. I think the guy's a beast. He's always been a beast when healthy. I mean. It's just the part that he got he got injured, you know. So I have him seventh overall. I just think the stuff is too good, and I'm all in. I, I, I mean, I would like to get him. I'm a person who does believe in uh, drafting aces early. 
I'm not opposed to getting, say, like two aces in the first four rounds or, you know, or worse, two in the first five I want to have. So but if you can get, say, a U Darvish, Johnny Cueto, a U Darvish, Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks, I just think, is a safe number two option. I think he fits perfect. So that's my take on it. I'm all in on you. Yeah, I I, I loved you before. And uh, your recommendation I think makes me feel a lot better about him now because I've been torn on him. I keep reading things. It's just I haven't been able to find the enough, um, I guess, confidence in him yet. But now – you're like the second or third person I've read in the last few days that's really, really, really positive on him. So it's making me feel a little better. I'll tell you that much because hey, look, I'm not saying there's no risk, but I oh. mean, I could talk myself out of taking pretty much anybody if I wanted to make an excuse. Yeah, but the thing is, though, everyone's a risk. But this kind of risk where you get a guy that can strike out almost twelve per nine, and uh, he's he, when you is on fire, which he can be. He's one of the top pitchers easily. So I'll take that chance, like you're saying. So the yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's worried, look at his second half last year. I mean, it, it pretty much showed that he's back. Yeah, he was filthy. Very, very filthy. Um, now, this is the guy that uh, I saw you having a little debate on Twitter today that if you could have 200 innings from this man, that's the dream that everybody would like, including Scott Boris, because he'd be even more wealthy than he's ever been. Um, Steven Strasburg, this guy just can't have a full season to save his life. He's um, He goes 160, 180. He did have 215 in 2014, then 127, 147. Um, you just can't – I don't know how people can draft him high year in and year out just knowing he's going to have at least one DL stint. Um, what's your take on Steven Strasburg in a draft this year? I- I've been on this. I've been drafting. I'm one of those guys that just can't quit the talent that's been drafting him in the past. I haven't really this year. I think I got like one share in one of my earlier drafts, but I have him 13th right now. Just close to me in 127, 147 innings. I think I got him projected at like 160. I mean, I, if I got 160, if I knew I could get like 170, 175. I'd be thrilled because I think he gets you 200 strikeouts. The ta- and uh, Ryan Bloomfield at uh, HQ tweeted that out yesterday. You could get if, if uh, Steven Strasburg had 200 innings. And in my opinion, if I knew he was getting 200 innings, he's a top five pitcher, and I I, don't, I really don't see how you can argue that. I mean, it's, up until the All Star break last season, it all looked like it was coming together. That finally he was going to have that Cy Young season. And then, unfortunately, the second half happened. So, I mean, that's a guy I would not want to anchor my staff with, but I would take the I would take the uh, gamble as my number two if I could grab him if he falls. Yeah, because that's like I saw your conversation. I said, "Well, give me 180 innings out of him," and I'd really consider it. It's just I can't even feel confident enough that I'm going to get that right now. That's what's scary about him. But yeah, I mean, 180. I, I would have, you know, he's going to strike out like 215 batters, probably 210. So I don't blame anybody for not drafting him. But, you know, hopefully, like I said, I'm a guy that's going to take probably two starters and definitely the first five rounds. So if he's my number two, I'm willing to I'm willing to roll the dice. You know, 
in in some of these overall contests that I'm in, you got to take some shots at certain points too. Now here's two uh, two pitchers for the defending American League champions who I'm very high on again this year. I know a lot of people are as well. I've got Carlos Carrasco who had 25 starts last season, currently um, the 15th starting pitcher on the board, and Danny Salazar who had 25 starts last year, currently the 29th starting pitcher on the board. Two super talented arms, um, and if these guys can come back healthy and their talent shines like they're capable of for the Indians, then just watch out. But um, what's your take on these two arms uh, from a fantasy perspective? Well, first off with Carrasco, I mean, he's going to be 30 years old. You know, kind of that late bloomer. Uh, the past three seasons, he's been pretty amazing from the bullpen to becoming a starter. The Everything's there for him. Uh, he just has never gotten to that 200-inning plateau. Last season was a couple of freak injuries, non-arm related. But now I'm seeing he has some swelling in the elbow, and that's concerning. I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, it's going to knock him down right now a couple of spots for me, and I need to hear some more news about this. Otherwise, he's a top 15 guy, in my opinion, no doubt, with, with a top 10 talent. But it's something that has to be monitored right now because – you know, at this point, you start hearing elbow problems. That's like major red flags, and you know you just got to be careful before you drafts. With Danny Salazar, I'm high on him. Uh, I know there is some risk because the second half last season, he got you know he just wasn't the same. From April through June, he was pitching fantastic. I mean, that's the uh, K rate is phenomenal. The problem last season was the walks. He does need to get that under control. His first couple of outings, I believe he had like eight strikeouts and eight walks, which in spring training is something I look at. It was not too positive. But this past Saturday, he pitched four innings, uh, struck out six batters, zero walks. That's, that's very encouraging. I believe I have him like 25th overall. He's a guy that – uh, will draft as my three, would love as my number four. But, you know, it all depends how you're setting up, how, how aggressive you want to be with pitching. That's why I'm. Uh, that's why if you do set yourself a stable foundation, it allows you to take the risk on, um, like, a Danny Salazar and feel a little more comfortable. Uh, I heard somebody say, like, you know, how, how could you expect 175 innings out of Danny Salazar? And I think Danny Salazar pitched 175 innings in 2015 or something close to that. So 185. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm a guy that's going to look at the skills and you got to worry about the health, of course. But, you know, you just can't be at the point where saying, I'm never going to take this guy because of this and this guy because of that. At some point, you got to pull the trigger. Yeah, totally. It's fantasy. You got to take some chances once in a while. You're never going to win anything. Um, that's the truth there. Talking about taking chances, um, the Mets, the, the team, um, I believe, on your, your hat right now, mm-hmm. if, I'm seeing that, if I'm seeing that correctly. Um, that is correct. They, um, I'm in love with uh, – and I'm not, I know I'm not alone. I'm in love with your pitching staff. And um, this is one of them who I fell in love with a few years ago and I'm trying not to fall out of love with, but he's making it very difficult. Um, Matt Harvey, 
uh, is having some hiccups, one would say. But um, he's shown some signs of life the last couple of times out in the spring, even though even today he got hit around a little bit. But he's, he was throwing 93-94. He looked good, as they say. Um, didn't get, like, shelled, but he, he gave up some hard contact, but looked, looked good. Things are better than they were at this point last year, one would say. Um, he's going 33rd starting pitcher at the moment. We're looking for a massive bounce back here because it can't get a whole lot worse, one would say, from last year's um, 4.86 ERA and 92 innings due to all the injuries. But it's also hard to go from a 2.71 ERA and 190 pitches in 2015. What can we expect? Because, you know, you already got Thor, DeGrom, Matt is a solid lefty. I like the likes of Gesselman. Wheeler's going to be coming on eventually. He's always on an innings limit, and he's looking good. The, things are good in New York, as you know. Hard. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the Dark Knight. You know, I'm wearing the Mets hat, but he's just a guy that I've avoided. It's encourage. I, I think it's just encouraging to see him pitching on a mound right now after that surgery. There are some good signs. I don't know how his stamina is going to hold. I don't know if if he's ever going to get up to that 97 again. So he's a guy that right now I'm just not drafting. I think I ranked him like 45th or somewhere somewhere north of 40. But I mean, honestly. It's more of a crapshoot because I don't think anybody really knows what Matt Harvey's going to do. He wouldn't be a guy that I'm pretty much drafting in the in in the first ten rounds. I I just don't see. It. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I remember back in 2013 when they had a Friday night game at City Field and it was him versus Strasburg. And I mean, Harvey was Mister. He was so electric that season. And I remember the chant, "Harvey's better." You know, it was just a great Friday night. But unfortunately, injuries and, you know, it's we've pretty much been robbed as baseball fans from uh, Matt Harvey and Steven Strasburg, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just – as a Mets fan, I'm staying away. You know, you got Thor, you got the Grom to go after. I mean, Matt's I like too, but Matt's is like he's he's made a porcelain. So you got to be careful. He's He's been hurt everywhere he's been. I love what he did last year. I just, you know, he's another guy. I mean, if I got 160 innings from him, I'm thrilled. Yeah, and like I said, you have Gesselman, who um, he he showed good stuff at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Wheeler, I know it's been a long, long road, but so far he's looked good in spring, which is very promising. Just like you said, with Harvey, it's just great to see him on a mound right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as a former Giants prospect, I'm happy to see him on a mound right now. Um and then even you saw Lugo in the World Baseball Classic. He threw outstanding the other day. Um, there's some some really nice things to like out of your system. Yeah, they have some nice depth right now. And I'm, I'm pretty much, as, you, as we know, with the baseball season, it's such a long grind. Somebody's going to have to step up at some point. So, And as I said on another uh, my other baseball show I do, there's the advantage you guys have over the Nationals because they traded away their depth to Chicago. Yeah, um, but they did. I mean, we'll see. I, I mean, also yeah. what helps us this season is having Addison Reed if uh, Jeremy's familiar gets yep. suspended. I mean, Addison Reed, I called him Austin Reed last year. He was truly fantastic. He's outstanding, definitely. 
Uh, let's talk some bounce back candidates, some uh, guys we're used to just being, you know, potential aces like one B's or twos in our rotations uh, that just didn't quite live up to the hype last year. Maybe not completely their fault, but weren't the uh, weren't the guys we drafted. Uh, we'll start in Tampa Bay with Chris Archer, um, nine and nineteen last year. Didn't get us the wins we wanted. Four oh two ERA, pitched two hundred innings. Still at a 10.4K per nine, which we're, we love that. But that ERA has to come down. Um, I'm expecting big things from him this year. I uh, hope he doesn't get traded. But if he does, it's likely to a better team. Uh, what are we thinking with Archer? Well, I think I put Archer, I think I have him ranked number 10. Uh, so that's saying I'm pretty damn high on him. I think the problem, if you if you break down last season, the first half just was atrocious. He had no control. No command on any of his pitches. Uh, he gave up, I think, like 18 home runs in the first half. He just really took a beating on that end. The second half was completely different. It was the Chris, it was the Chris Archer that we expected. He does need to improve on his home road splits because they are very uh, they they are drastic. I think he was like 235 at home, and he was like five on the road. I mean, he does get hammered every time he goes to Fenway. It's just that's not a good place for him. I'll be honest, but he does have to improve that. Uh, as you mentioned, 200 innings, over 200 strikeouts. That's an ace. That's a fantasy ace. I think you're going to see the Chris Archer that we were expecting last year, somewhere around a 325 ERA, upside, you know, maybe hits three, goes sub three, which, you know, that'd be a fantastic season. But I'd sign off on the 325, 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. And let me reiterate something also. I said he was 9-19. It's not what we're looking for. With Chris Archer, when you're drafting him right now, don't look for wins because, A, he's on Tampa Bay, and, B, this is his, this is his career. And we're not going to count his rookie, his first season, but in 13 he had 9, 14 he had 10, 15 he had 12, 16 he had 9. He's not going to collect wins. So just don't even count that when you're trying to draft Chris Archer. Um, I know you usually don't try to draft wins when you're drafting because you can't really predict that anyways. But you're not even really looking that direction when you're looking for Chris Archer. So, um, but I agree on the rest. He's definitely going to be there. His BABIP was kind of high, higher than normal. That should also come down. Um, things things should be pointing in a much much better direction for Archer this year. This one, I'm sketchy on, and uh, obviously I want to hear your opinion on this one as well. Um, they're saying Zach Granke. Velocity, velocity's way down. He's barely hitting the low 90s, mostly hanging out in the 80s. They're saying he's taking his time getting ready with the extended spring. This time last spring, he was hitting 94 regularly. Um, he's getting hit around. They're all proud because he didn't get hit around in his last start, but his last start was an intra-squad game against, like, single-A players. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't care about that at all. From my perspective, the only thing I guess you could say is he didn't walk anybody, so command was there. Um, if he wants to pitch like a Greg Maddox type and he's going to be all command, that's fine. He's got a decent curveball, and that means he has to be perfect. Fine. But um, I don't want to rely on a guy that's going to try to live with an 89-mile-hour fastball in Coors Light in Arizona. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I did uh, – a month ago when I was doing my rankings, I think I had the Granky like, say, 21st overall. 
and I was buying the bounce back. I broke down last season. You know, the, those first couple of games were very rough for him in Arizona, but he, he did turn around. He had a nice two-month stretch where I basically compared his numbers over those two months to his three years in L.A., and they were very similar. Then, unfortunately, he ended up on the DL. I think he might have came back a little too soon last year. He had that game uh, uh, when he returned to Chavez Ravine. He gave up uh, five home runs in one game. But I thought this was a pitcher that was somebody to be targeting. But the VLO right now is very concerning. I think I dropped him to 31 in my most recent rankings. And even at that spot, I'm not sure that I'm going to be taking – I mean, I'll watch. If I start seeing the next outing and the second outing, there is improvement. Because I think this is a guy who's very cerebral, knows how to pitch, obviously. I just don't want to be taking the chance with him with an 89-mile-an-hour fastball. If he's around 91, he can hit 92. I mean, it's, it sounds funny, but two or three miles makes a world of difference for him. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. It's just that ballpark's so lively. If you're just throwing batting practice, that's not good. Not good at all. Um, this pitcher needs to find 2015 badly if his team has any chance of competing this year. And I'm talking about Garrett Cole, currently the 23rd starting pitcher off the board, um, had a very, very rough 2016 campaign. Um, people are high on Cole this year. Uh, what's your take on Garrett Cole? I'm high on him. I think I had him like 20th or early 20s about a month ago. Watching him this spring, he's hitting 95, 96. That's encouraging. If you watched him last season, there just wasn't that explosion on his pitches. There was obviously something wrong with him. Spent multiple DL stints, career low in strikeouts, highs in walks, career low in innings. It just was a disastrous 2016. I mean, health was obviously the issue. If he's healthy again, I think I put him up to 18th right now. He's either sitting at 18 or 19 in my rankings. Uh, I believe in the big guy. And like I said, it's, it's all about health with him. I think after, you know, after you get past a few pitchers, it gets pretty sketchy awful fast. And uh, like you mentioned, the Masahiro Tanaka earlier, I'm, I'm a Masahiro Tanaka guy, believe it or not. I had him last year and got the 199 in the third innings. And it seems like he changed his approach from that first season once he got the news of the uh, of the forearm. So, I mean, there are guys that know how to pitch. I think Cole has a special arm. He's got a big arm. And if healthy, pitching in PNC is just another bonus I'm buying. Yeah, they're saying uh, Cole last year, they're showing his percentages of, like, his off-speed pitches and fastballs and cutters he was using. He went way away from his bread-and-butter pitches last year compared to the year before, and it showed immensely in his numbers. Um, and that that likely had a lot to do with it. Um, what I want to know is you just mentioned Mr. Tanaka because, like I said, I'm not sold on him, but the numbers show, like you said, um, he, you said he just knows how to pitch. What I'm wondering, though, because with the arm issue, each of the last two years, his strikeout numbers have gone down, strikeouts per nine. Mm-hmm. Do we see that coming back at all? 
I don't think so because I think he's kind of changed his arsenal. He changed his approach. I mean, I think over the last three seasons, he's got the sixth best whip. So, I mean, this is a guy that is is a talented pitcher. He knows how to pitch in the Yankee Stadium, knows how to pitch in the American League. So, I mean, it's not like he's living somewhere in a National League park that's where he's being protected. And I don't see the strikeout per nine coming up to a strikeout inning. But even without that, if he's your number two, and he can get you, say, 185 to close to 200 innings, get, give you a decent strikeout rate. But like I said, he's giving you a fantastic whip for the most part. So, I mean, whip is something people seem to underestimate in fantasy too often. Because once your whip goes south, it's, in, it's extremely, like, impossible to get it back. Man, if you if you could get an ace and you put him with like a Hendrix, your whip's locked and loaded for the rest of your season. That's scary. Um, yeah, I, I I totally agree. I'm, I'm a big Kyle Hendricks fan. Yeah, because like I said, I'm not a Tanaka guy, so I haven't looked into him as much as I should. But I'm looking at his stats right now. You might have sold me on some stuff. That is scary. Well, um, like I said, there, there's obviously that that forearm. There is the risk there, but you know, I mean, there's risk with Cole this year too. There's risk with Danny Salazar. But it's like you said, is after like the main the main like four or five aces, it drops off in a hurry and then it's kind of just like a pack. And it's just you you pick your poison. And um yeah. And we're gonna start picking our poisons here with some young guns. And it's a lot of them, and we're just gonna pick a few of them here. We're gonna start with uh, the Royals. They gave him a nice extension, club friendly, but good for him as well. We're gonna talk Danny Duffy, the little lefty who had a heck of a 2016, 9.4K um, per nine. Is there – everyone saying he can't do it. Again, I like him a lot, but I know it's going to be tough to duplicate those numbers, but I still think he can be pretty darn effective. Going 25th starting pitcher overall might be steep, but what do you have on Danny Duffy? Duffy, I believe I have him 20th overall. Uh, I really like what happened last year. I mean – he was a guy that I thought was destined to become a left-handed shutdown reliever, unfortunately, an arm I've always liked. But he could never get that consistency, could never repeat the delivery. He went to working out of the stretch on a permanent basis, which enabled him to repeat his delivery. Uh, he got the confidence prior when he had a stint in the bullpen, and then they put him in last year. He had that confidence. He took off. Uh, probably one of the most impressive games last season, besides the Max Scherzer 20-strikeout game, might have been Danny Duffy's 16 strikeouts uh, versus Tampa Bay. That was awesome. So, I mean, I, I'm a Duffy believer. I think he tired at the end. He got beat up in September. So, I mean, he was making that jump up to to the innings. So, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a little discount on that. And I, I think he has the stuff. I think he's always had the stuff. And certain pitches blossom later on. It's not all in the same timetable that we'd like them to. But I think the biggest thing was being able to find a delivery that worked and being able to re- repeat it. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page there because I'm, I'm high on Duffy. And it uh, seems like I, I haven't found too many people that are uh, high on him as well. So that, that's good to hear. Um, 
I like him a lot. And the biggest thing is that ballpark. That, uh, that'll help a, a kid like that. If yeah, that watches the home runs for him. That, that was his major problem last year. So hopefully yeah. that can help him. That'll help him a ton. And if anybody watched him in the World Baseball Classic, he knows how to throw strikes. And that's a big thing, too. Um, he's not messing around up there and uh, looks very, very good. Another youngster that um, started out in the pen last year and then spent some time in the rotation and looked very, very good for the Blue Jays, Aaron Sanchez. is going to get a full run of it this year, uh, 192 innings last year. Should be no holding him back this year. I think he's in for a, a lot of fun. I don't – a three ERA is going to be tough to, to uphold, but uh, he should have a nice year ahead of him. Rogers Center is not the, the best place to pitch, but he made it work last year. What do you think of Aaron Sanchez? Uh, he was a real fun guy to watch last year pitch. Uh, I'm glad Toronto extended him out, let him pitch. They didn't shut him down. I think there's too much baby in the bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had him late 20s, I think, last month. I might have pushed him down some spots. It's not that I don't like him. I agree. I think he could probably be more of a 350 ERA, which isn't bad. If you look at the last three seasons, the average ERA for starting pitches was 382, 410, and last year was 434. So 350 isn't bad. Uh, the one thing, if he can make the improvement on the strikeout level, I mean, he gets the ground balls. That's obviously his bread and butter. But he, I think he needs a little more uptick in strikeouts especially pitching in the American League East, uh, uh, that will help his game. So, I mean, I have him probably just outside the top 30. I could put make the argument to make him a top 30 pitcher. So, Yeah, no, it's still good stuff. He's going to be on a winning team, at least a pretty pretty good team. The, yeah, the only thing, I mean, if I wanted to give a knock, is is that inning jump going to hurt him this year? Is he gonna, I don't really think so. He seems like a kid that, Put, I think I believe he put on the, put on some more weight. He did it last year with the possibility of being a starter, so he's taking his job serious. You know, he's obviously a really good competitor. If you watched him pitch last year, he was a fun guy to watch. Yeah, it's quite the innings jump, like you said. A hundred innings is uh, not your typical uh, jump in innings, but they uh, they did it the right way. They started him in the pen, they slowly stretched him out, and he started late, and the game starts off and. They did it the right way. Like you said, there's too much babying and shutting down and all this garbage. Well, they just, just, to, just to, get, uh, to keep the point going, with like Duffy and like an Aaron Sanchez, like growing up when I watched baseball, most starters who came up were put in the bullpen first and they pitched mm-hmm. in the pen. And then they got the shot. Then they became yep. they got their chance to start. I mean, Earl Weaver was famously the one that would do that all the time. But, I mean, that's just something that I think – Kind of helps the pitcher too. You get get your feet underneath you, and but you know now in this day with all these contracts and these prices, as much as they you know oh we got too much invested, these kids are still getting hurt. So obviously the way they're doing it isn't working either. Yeah, now they're all in nuclear loose and they have to go pitch. <laughs> you get yeah. the um, so let's move on to another young arm who really started to look like he was fine in his own last year. I've been big on him. I've drafted him late in a lot of drafts, it seems like, the last few years. And then, like, reluctantly, I ended up having to drop him because it just never works out. I held on to him most of last year, and I'm really looking forward to potentially drafting him this year. Roster Resource has him as their starter, especially with Tillman's injuries. 
Let's talk Kevin Gossman of the Baltimore Orioles. I think there might be something to look forward to this season. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on Kevin Gossman. I mean, if you look uh, from April on, those last two months, he really took a step. And he's he's their ace, whether he's penciled in as the number one or the number two. He's the guy that they got to rely on. Uh, former, what, fourth overall pick, I believe. Yeah, so, right here. I really like what he did. He got the strikeouts up last season. You know, he's a kid that's, you know, going through it. Baltimore messed around with him a little too much, in my opinion, the, the, yep. the Back and forth. previous two seasons. And, you know, so I really like him. I think there's another guy I'll talk about later, uh, Dylan Bundy. And him and his, those guys are going to be key to whatever Baltimore is going to do this year. It's going to fall on those two arms. Yeah, they're going to have to because that's all they have right now with Tillman out. And then you, I, I named off the other options before. And if people know half of the other options' names, more power to you. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's pretty impressive. Like, if you know their names, you are a diehard baseball fan. Um, here's a lefty that you're either trying to be in the clicky click or you actually know something about baseball because this kid's good. He was hurt last year. But he's like, he wants to be the big unit 2.0, but he might not be. It's one of those weird intermediates right now. James Paxton of the Mariners, he showed signs of being really, really good. Then he got hurt. I've seen some of your tweets about him that get me really intrigued. And you can get him way later than some other guys that compare to him. What should we be doing with James Paxton? I mean, I know he's the hot name, the trendy name, and it's turning some people off, which I'm fine with because I've been buying since first pitch Arizona, November 3rd, I drafted him, been drafting him ever since. I mean, show me something not to like about him. He's, he's a kid that – he's not even a kid anymore. He's 28. But he's somebody that had the pedigree. We've been looking forward to him coming and finally putting it together. Last season, he pitched 120, uh, 121 innings in the major leagues another 50 or so in the minor leagues. So he pitched about 172 innings last year. wasn't like, you know, he's got to be babied this year. He's 28 years old. It's it's his time to shine. My feeling is if you like what Danny Duffy did last year and you believe in Danny Duffy, how do you not believe in James Paxton? If you look at James Paxton's first pitch strike, you look at his swing strike percentage, the ground ball percentage. I mean, just everything that he did was everything we were waiting for. He's another guy like like Duffy, he changed his delivery. Uh, I was listening to Doug Thorburn, excellent pitching mechanics guy who worked with Tom House. I mean, he does some wonderful stuff. And I was listening to him in our Sammy Reed's podcast, and it made me feel even more – it made me feel better, and I was even more invested after hearing that. Basically, he, he changed the uh, delivery, got the repetition down. I mean – Look at the uh, K-9, it was over eight, the uh, walks per nine. I mean, that, that's what you want to see. Even if the walks per nine come up a little, the, K, the K-9 has a possibility of going up. Mm-hmm. The ground ball percentage is close to 50%. It's not like this guy is somebody we never heard of or never liked. He's a guy in a 15-team league. I have no problem <coughs> – excuse me – no problem drafting in the 10th round. And he's got the ballpark. So, I mean, tell me something I shouldn't like about James Paxton, and then maybe I'll, I'll agree with you. 
I'm kind of liking that. Everybody's like, I saw some tweets today. Somebody was trying to make a joke like, oh, James Paxson's a sleeper. Pay me $100. And I was like, this is great because I want people to go off for James Paxson. I'm buying. So, I mean, that's my take. I have him 21st. I think I have Duffy 20th. I have, I have him 21st. My reasoning is if you like Danny Duffy, how the hell don't you like James Paxson? Well, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Paxson has a better year than Danny Duffy next year. Well, damn it. This is why partly you did what I wanted you to do. That's why I had it on here. But now I'm regretting having it on here because you did what I wanted you to do. No, <laughs> but I agree with you. Cause that's why I saw your tweets and like, I, I like Paxton a lot. And, um, he just, if he didn't get hurt, he was on pace. Even the year before he was putting up numbers. He was very competitive and good. And his outings were solid. And like you said, he was, he was right there. And I think his caper nice can go up. His strikeouts are good. He pitches in a great ballpark. Um, if you look at the AL West outside of, um, of, uh, Texas, Oakland is a great pitching ballpark. Anaheim's a solid pitching ballpark. Um, you have options there. I think things are very solid for Paxton. I love the fact how you compared him to Duffy. If you look on fantasy pros right now, um, you can get him almost 60 to 70 picks later in a draft than Duffy. Um, so if you're even in a 12 team league, you can do the math on that one. People um, that's like pick 165. So we're talking what's that round 13 or so. I'm not going to do the math, but 12, 13, something like that. So you're looking pretty good there. That's like your fourth or fifth pitcher. Yeah, like you said, you can get him later. It's not like you, you, you're you taking him as your number two. I mean, I have him, pretty, I have him ranked very high. And maybe yeah. it's aggressive, but I'm just looking at this. I'm, I'm looking at the skills. That's what I look at more than anything. If I took his name off the bat and I showed you, I mean, like a Jamison Tyon pitched 165 innings, in the majors and the minors last year. A lot of people don't realize that he pitched that many innings. So, I mean, Tyon's going to be watched as well. I do like Tyon a lot. I have him like in the mid-20s. And, but I just, I don't, I mean, Danny Duffy, I think, pitched, like, say, 179 innings. James Paxton last season, overall, pitched 172. Perfect. And pretty much the rest of these, we're going to have a few more young arms, and then we're just going to talk about basically a bunch of late arms to target. Mm -hmm. So, these are going to be a bunch of good ones here. And just like Paxson, this next one, I know you're high on this guy. I'm very high on this guy. I would be in heaven if I could snag this guy in like the 12th or 13th round. His name is being mentioned a lot. I have a feeling we might have to start grabbing him, I'd say, round 10. Hopefully not earlier. It might start being that way where it might not be worth it anymore. But I think he might be worth it coming into the season if he's healthy. I'm talking Lance McCullers of the Houston Astros. I think this guy is in for big things. I know his innings weren't huge last year. I'm not looking at his minors innings, so you might tell me I'm wrong. Threw 81 innings in the in the bigs. Um, but he has some lights out stuff, and that hanger that he throws out there is filthy. 11.8K um, per nine last year. He has some goods. What do you have on Lance McCullers? Last month, I ranked him at number 36 just to keep him, say, in a 12-teamer as a number three. But I, I bumped him up like 10 spots uh, the, the the last 24 hours when I'm finalizing my rankings now for next week and everything. 
It's just the talent that's there. I mean, it was only, like you said, 80-something innings last year. I think maybe he pitched like five or seven innings in the minors. So it's it's going to be a jump. I mean, Steamer has him for like 180 innings, which to me is very bullish. But if he got you 160 innings, which I still think is a lot. I got him, I think, around 145, and I think that's a little hard. But I think if he's pitching well and he's looking healthy, he's a big kid. Houston will manage him, but I think they want to try and get a full year out of him. And Houston wants to win. I mean, they're not going to jeopardize this kid's future, so don't worry about that. But like you said, I mean, that curveball is fantastic. The curveball fastball mix he has, he's working on his uh, third offering. So if he can get any improvement there, I mean, it's hard not to like him. You try and I try and temper my expectations due to the innings that he pitched last season. But he's a guy that can help you win a league, in my opinion. Yeah. Possibly help you lose a league, but. <laughs> yeah, because he, he's that guy that he, he gets you so far and then they sit him because of innings and you just start crying. And you're just like, oh, no, how do I replace this? But, um, yeah, he's uh, he's got the goods, definitely. He should already be gone if you have a dynasty league, people. But if he's not – Please, this is yeah, not rocket science. You mentioned, say, say even if they did shut him down, which I don't think that's a plan. I think they're going to try and manage him really smart, which I think they they know the talent with him and they want to try and keep him around. They don't, you know, they don't want to reach that moment. But even if he gave you, say, he gave you 150 quality innings next year, you're going to be yeah. there are going to be other guys that are going to come up, other arms you can get. I mean, look at last season we were talking about Robert Zellman. What he did for the Mets, that was a huge shot in the arm. So, I mean, one of the other parts, it's not just the draft. you gotta be, you got to be on top of that fab and, uh, you know, that, that, that waiver wire and stuff like that. Very true. Very true. Uh, here we go. On one of the up-and-coming teams that is rebuilding and rebuilding well. Talking Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox. Everyone's high on him every year, it seems like. And it's always seems to come back to a control issue with him because the talent level is there. The stuff is there. When is it all going to come together for Carlos Rodon? I'm hoping it's this season. I'm not sure. I had him like mid to late thirties. I bumped him down a couple of ticks in my most recent rankings. He was complaining about something. I don't know if he's going through a little injury stage or they're just being precautious right now. Not what I want to hear. But I think the biggest problem he suffered last year and the White Sox pitchers did was the loss of of Tyler Flowers, who is really good behind the plate, good framer for them. They lost him. And I think Rodon, if I'm correct, I forget who said it, so I can't give them the props. But I think he was the pitcher who had the most thrown strikes that were called balls last season. So that's something, you know, you get a better framer in this year, somebody that can get that strike called for you, that's a huge difference. You know, you got to throw an extra strike, you could get, you know, that could cost you a home run. Like, that could be a three-run homer instead of getting out of the inning. So I do think this kid has tremendous talent. Uh, he's somebody I'll take a flyer in certain leagues. I, I definitely want to have a nice foundation with him as well. But I'm not sure if it's going to be 2017 where it all does come together. But sooner or later, it will. 
Okay. Yeah, he's got the goods. I'm just waiting for it. I've been high on him every year. It's just never quite there. Uh, let's talk some young guns. Like I said, we'll talk some to target. We could be here all night, but we won't do that. Um, you mentioned his name earlier. Kevin Gaussman's running mate, Dylan Bundy. He's been on the um, top prospect list forever. He's been hurt, hurt, hurt. Finally got a chance last year to show the uh, the Baltimore faithful what he's made of. Most of it out of the bullpen, but did get to start towards the end. Um, he has some electric stuff. Um, he's going to start the season in the rotation. What can we expect from Dylan Bundy? Uh, you know what? I'm getting excited about Bundy. Uh, I did an AL only auction this past weekend. Uh, Todd Zola needed another guy. Somebody dropped out. So Friday afternoon, he posted it. I accepted. We did it on Saturday. I want to pay him. I thought I'd get him for like about eight. I, I, I paid the $10 for him. I want to sell him. I think last year, uh, the ERA, even as a starter, I think it was around four, a little over four. But I don't think that's what we should be looking at. I think we should be looking at this kid got the experience he needed, logged innings that he needed. I mean, this was a guy we've been hearing about. Unfortunately, it's been one health issue after another. He was healthy last season and really stepped it up as far as getting that workload that was so desperately needed. And this spring, he said he's bringing back the cutter, which is very encouraging. I think it was wise last year not to use it. You know, the fact that he was coming back and all the issues that he had. So, I mean, a, a Gosman Bundy could be a really much much needed and a, a nice one-two punch for the Orioles. He's yeah, nice you take a shot on later on in drafts. Yeah, not a bad one-two punch. Uh, late, like fifth starter or something. Something to build around. You said they got the innings. He's 109 innings last year. Maybe they'll up him to about 140, 150. Something to something to build around. Um, here is a name that everybody is talking about. It's almost like the shiny new toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved him last year, and now I almost don't want to touch him anymore because everybody is talking about him. I'm talking about Jarrell Cotton of the Oakland A's. I thought he was really, really good, and I still think he's really, really good. Don't take that part away from him. But now it's like there's no value on him anymore to me. Um, what's your take on Cotton, and is he worth taking in drafts anymore? Uh, yeah, he is getting expensive. I mean, con- considering where he was, he's, his price has uh, – there's there's a nice Jarrell Cotton tax going on out there. I mean, it's a small sample. It's only 29 innings that he pitched in the majors last year. I know his minor league numbers were really nice. He had like 12 K-9s in certain spots, but – the K-9 didn't translate as high as we would have thought, but it's still a small sample. The swinging strike percentage was fantastic. And I just I think people get a little ahead of themselves sometimes. You know, 30 innings as opposed to, say, 160 innings. Let's see how that translates. If you can get him, I'm all for it. Uh, I mean, he's a guy – that's moved up. Other late guys I like, maybe more boring, but Ivan Nova re-upping in uh, Pittsburgh is an arm that I'll go after. So, I mean, it depends where Cotton ends up over this next week or so heading into the big drafts. I've gotten him in like one or two places. I've been, you know, other people have been paying higher for him, so I've missed out. How high would you go for Cotton? Uh, I mean – 
I'm a guy that's more concerned about my roster uh, construction, so it, it does depend. If I have, if I'm looking good, the 15th round, I don't have a problem, you know, somewhere around that range. Because I do think he's going to pitch 150 innings, 160 innings. You know, I mean, Oakland's got some nice arms to look at. Him, Andrew Trigg, Sean Manaya. You know, it's not a bad little place for pitching. I'm not much for the hitting, but. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to trade away whatever else is good over there. Yeah, once Ryan um, Healy gets good, they'll, uh, they'll dump him too. Yeah, that, that's a good young bet too. But we're not talking bats today. But yeah, that's one to keep an eye on. Um, you mentioned Ivan Nova. Um, we've all seen the mess that he was in the Bronx. He got traded to Pittsburgh, and my goodness, it's like Superman went through the phone booth. Uh, he learned how to pitch, and he learned how to pitch well. Um, what you said, you took him, or you'd almost rather take him at that stage in the draft over Cotton for the price. Um, what realistically should we expect out of Nova? Because I find it hard to believe that we're going to get the lights out amazingness that we saw. But tell me, am I wrong? Or what can we expect? I think he has some upside. But if I have a number, say he pitched, uh, whatever, 170-something innings, hundred, you know, and gave me a 370 RA, I'm fine with that, you know, for where you're getting him and stuff. And as I mentioned previously, where starting pitching is trending, the home run ball is going crazy. The one thing from what I heard, he was told when he arrived in Pittsburgh, he was told to throw strikes. And he threw strikes. I mean, the guy walked three batters. This is what's really encouraging. I mean, I think he has higher upside than a 370 right? But he, I think what he walked three batters in like 60 innings last year with the Pirates or something like that. It's pretty insane. Three batters. So, and that ballpark helps him. Yankee Stadium hurt him. Yankee Stadium was not a park that was conducive to Ivan Nova's game. PNC Park is conducive to Ivan Nova's game. And when you see when you see somebody walking three batters in 50, 60 innings, that's impressive. I don't care who the hell you are. The fact that he re-upped in Pittsburgh is really nice. So I, he's got my seal of approval. And now and now with that new outfield configuration with Marte covering more ground and center, it's going to help him out even more. Yeah, that's that's a move that needed to be made. Uh, I'm, yeah. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon's been the face of the Pirates. I got nothing bad to say about him. He, he, he's definitely a warrior, but Stanley Lamonte is one of my favorites this year. He's been a second-round target of mine. And as much as I love Gregory Polanco at the plate, he kind of looks like uh, sometimes a, a deer lost in headlights in the afternoon. Like, yeah, he kind of reminds me of like some of those t-ball kids liking to play with flowers out there. <laughs> uh, he looks a little distracted at times. Yes, uh, yes, that's a good one. Um, um, Moving on to another one of your pitchers. We've mentioned his name multiple times, um, and he likes to have this. You guys don't have a barber in uh, Queens, I, I think, but it, it works for him. It works. Um, Robert Gesselman and the flowing the flowing locks um, looked really good last year, really good. Um, projected as the fifth starter right now, unless something has changed in the last 24 hours. No, I believe uh, that to be true. I mean, he should be the fifth starter as of right now. I, I'm willing to take a gamble on him this year. What? Where would you gamble on him at, and is it worth the gamble? Uh, it's looking to be worth the gamble. It looks like he's going to get the innings. As I mentioned prior, somebody's going to go down. I mean, 
I'm hoping it's not Thor. I'm hoping it's not the Grom. I don't know. I honestly really don't know what to expect as far as innings from Matt Harvey this year coming off of this, off of this thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, whatever the hell it's called. And Zach Wheeler needs to be handled with kid gloves. So, and as I mentioned before, too, with Stephen Matz, he's no, uh, he's very fragile. So, Gazelman is a kid that picked up some velo last season. Uh, the slider was really good. And he was a really, he was a supreme boost to the Mets during that stretch run. Seth Lugo pitched really well, too, but Gazelman was more statistically backed for his performance. And I think. The Mets are doing it right. We're giving Gazelman that fifth spot. Lugo out of the bullpen. And, I mean, hopefully we don't need to use Lugo in case of an emergency. But I, I think he's a guy, you know, late teens. He's moving up. He was going, like say, mid-20s. Then he was coming to low-20s. Well, these are 15 rounders, I'm thinking of two. But, you know, he's a guy that later on in your drafts, he's pitching for the Mets. He got that ballpark. He got the National League East. You know, why not? Yeah, right now he's the 87th starting pitcher, 312th overall, moving up the draft boards, as you were saying. So mm-hmm. definitely uh, definitely moving in the right direction. Um, you already mentioned uh, uh, Jamison Tyon for the Pirates. Another name we were talking about, Tyler Glass now. Um, last season spent a short amount of time with Pittsburgh, looked pretty good. And he spent a lot of time in the minors looking really, really good. He's going to get a ton of run this year in the Pirates rotation. What are we looking at with Glass now? Uh, I mean, the talent is there. You see the upside. You see those K-9 rates. Uh, I saw him a couple of years ago in Arizona Fall League, the first game I ever went to out there. And he looked god-awful. So I just, you know, I was, I was psyched to see him, but disappointed. But the problem is, I guess, the size. He's a really big kid. And he's got the problem that most young kids have is repeating that delivery. I'm looking at, for 2017, I mean, this could – maybe he puts it together and I could be wrong. I'm looking more like a Blake Snell stat line where he's going to have that high K-9, but he's going to have like five per nine uh, walks per nine. and. Uh, at a very high whip, maybe a whip that you can't afford to have. So, I mean, there is excitement about him. I'm just not sure that this is the season to be that excited. But like you said, he'll have – like he started spring training. He struck out like the six batters in a row. Everybody went bonkers. The next start, he walked four, struck out one. And then the last start, he just got – I mean, he just blew up. He got, he got beat down. Oh, yeah, he's going to be a young pitcher where you never know what you're going to get every time out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the last guy I've written down to talk about, uh, very curious, likes to shave with the Max, um, came over in the David Price deal. He got injured, came back, um, looked pretty good. Uh, Daniel Norris looked really good to end the season. You've tweeted out some stats of his. Through the minors and the majors combined, 86 innings last year. So I don't think we have a whole lot to look forward to overall, maybe 130 at the most. Um, but still, something to look forward to. What would you expect and where would you draft Daniel Norris this year? 
Well, I think one thing, like you're saying, I think everybody gets caught up on this Tom Tom Verducci effect thing where they're only going to do 20% or 30%. I mean, what Toronto did last year, should tell you. And what you're seeing with these kids coming up from double A and teams getting more aggressive. <coughs> In this win now era where we're not waiting for stuff. I think Daniel Norris could see more innings. I really like him. I think it's been a problem of, you know, he's eccentric, down by the river kind of kid. He was living in the van about two years ago. He unfortunately, but fortunately, did uh, beat cancer. So, I mean, he's had, you know, he's had some uh, challenges in his life. He's overcome them. And the second half is encouraging. He's a former uh, high pick. The pedigree's there. And I, I think the Tigers, the best thing they did this offseason was not sell. They got Daniel Norris. They got Matt Boyd. Verlander's back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm believing in Verlander. He's shown the last year and a half or so that he's back. So, I mean, Michael Fulmer had that crazy month. I'm not so buying Michael Fulmer, to be honest with you. Maybe I, I might, that might be one kid that I'm wrong on. I have him ranked lower than most. So maybe I'm wrong on him. That second half was a bit sketchy to me. But maybe I'm wrong on Fulmer. But I, the Tigers I, have, have, have an arsenal there. And if Jordan Zimmerman could come back to be just a decent pitcher, mm-hmm. they, they should be good. I mean, that offense is stacked. Yeah. That, I said the same thing last night. I did an AL Central preview. I said that offense could score 10 runs a game if they want to. Um, it's just that pitching staff. And it comes down to I don't know what Fulmer is going to really be. Because he, he showed greatness and he showed uh, – and then Zimmerman, if he can just be average to slightly above average just consistently, they could be really good. Mm-hmm. That's all they need. But, yeah, that's an interesting team right there, very interesting team. Yeah, and I think after, after the Indians, I mean, I think it's their, it's their division to take after Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland is clearly the uh, cream of that division, one of the best teams in baseball. If you know, but now they're taking some blows. I mean, I'm running away from Kipnis, who I know part of that rotator cuff. If Carlos Carrasco, if that elbow is severe, that's a major blow. So we'll see. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Uh everything was nice and calm in spring, and in the last about seven to ten days, there's been some really um what used to be band-aid injuries have turned into some really serious injuries are starting to creep into spring training that are making making some rosters get a little more interesting. Um Things are changing, one would say. Yeah, no matter no matter what injuries are going to happen, we all know it's part of the game. It's unfortunate, but you know that's why you know you're you're always healthy until you're not. <laughs> you know, exactly. like look at Hunter Pence. The guy was the Iron Man, and you know you get older too. That's why his record will never be broken ever. <laughs> not even be close. Um, uh, is there any other names you'd like to talk about? I could sit here and talk. Uh, I'll throw names. another name out there. I'll throw a Mike Fulton Evans. Uh, kid that okay. throws in the mid 90s, currently the fifth uh, starter for Atlanta. I mean, the question is is he a rotation arm or is his future in the bullpen? I'm going to take the shot to see if he is that rotation arm. Uh, I was encouraged by his control issue, the first strike. Uh, percentage was very nice. It was like close to 
And he got the swing and strike percent was uh, only like 10% for a kid with his kind of stuff. I think that'll rise. So, and I'm not sure how Atlanta's ballpark's going to play, but I, I don't think it's going to be like a Camden Yards or anything like that. Still pitching in the National League East. So, he's a kid that I would definitely be interested in. One for you that uh, I'm real curious about because he looked dynamic last year, got banged up, kind of slowed him down. Uh, came over from the Astros to the Phillies, Vince Velasquez. Um, dynamite stuff. What can we kind of see coming forward with him? I mean, the stuff, as you just said, it's dynamite stuff, Velasquez. It's not that I don't like his stuff because I think his stuff is awesome. I just think he's an injury that's going to happen. And uh, yeah. and I think he might be that kid that ends up being that dominant bullpen pitcher in the future. And so that's why I got him outside my top 50, just outside. It's not because I don't like the stuff. I mean, Aaron Nola's still a little crapshoot, too, when I have him like around pick uh, ranked number 40 or 41. Honestly, I think the guy that's going to be the guy to own in Philadelphia this season is Jared Eichhoff. That's going to be the guy that's going to give you the, you know, probably hit 200 innings. I think he could improve on last season, too. I'm not saying he's going to be all-world. But a lot of th- people don't understand, too, is you need guys with innings. Like in deeper leagues, just to throw out a couple of names, Irvin Santana, never flashy, nobody ever wants him, but pretty much the last five seasons, four of them under under four ERA. I mean, it gets you 180 innings or more. Francisco Liriano is a guy that people should be looking at. He's going criminally late. He's back with Russell Martin. If you look at what he did with Russell Martin in Pittsburgh, what he did when he came back to Toronto last season, that's a guy that could be a steal. Yep. Yeah, he was great when he came back to Toronto late last year. He was great in Pittsburgh. He's almost going undrafted in certain leagues. If you're going in like 10, 12 team leagues, going undrafted. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was just saying, I was taking him in 15 team leagues. I was taking him in the 25th round like every time. I was like, this is yeah. like, you know, I was getting like Urban Santana and like him in like reserve rounds. And those are guys that. Like, for instance, Santana I had on my bench in a league last year for the first two months, and I was going to cut him in June. And I said, you know what? I don't need to do anything, so I'm just going to leave him there. He's not in my lineup. He's pitching terrible. But he's a guy that just at the end of the year has the innings and doesn't kill you. And honestly, I had Kershaw. Kershaw went down that last start in June. I put in Irvin Santana, and he pitched to like a two – a 230 ERA the rest of the season. So it's, it's guys like that that just step in. You need to have some depth with your pitching. I recommend that. And these proven guys, these old guys that are boring or have lost some cachet because they had an off year, don't run away from them. Take them away, stash them on your bench. Well, that's why like a few years ago I took a guy like Phil Hughes or Bartolo Colon or something because they weren't flashy, but they were mid-three ERAs. Six, seven innings every start. That's what they did. Nothing crazy. Yeah, like Bartolo Colon last year in an auction was going for a buck or two. And if you yep. got him, I remember I said a dollar, somebody said two. I mean, last year, and I was like kind of pissed. And then you look at his season last year for yep. $2. Look what he did. I mean, yep. that's how you win. That's how you win a league. You know, everybody wants, I look, I want to have, I want to have Thor, and I want to have Darvish, and you want to have Kershaw. 
but you got to nail these. You got to nail these cheap little guys. I have another name for you while we're here. Um, this is one that baffles me because everyone's high on him, and I know he's talented, but I wrote about him because he never gets innings. Rich Hill, can you explain to me um, the infatuation with Rich Hill? He's just been. I mean, honestly, when he's been on the mound since he came up with Boston that September, th- that curveball is phenomenal. It's it's he's like to me, he's the old man Lance McCullers. He's got that crazy good curveball, and what I think what helps Rich Hill is the fact that he came up with Boston, then signed with Oakland. So he left he left the uh, he left the American League East, went over to the American League West. Then got traded to the Dodgers, was pretty much injured most of the time with that blister. So, I mean, people still really haven't seen Rich Hill. So he's still a bit of a mystery, and I think that curveball is phenomenal. It's one of those things, look, he's 37, 38 years old. The Dodgers are going to pitch him. So they gave him three years. They're not worried about, you know, his arm. This isn't like uh, Julio Urias. So I, I got. I mean, I just just from what he's done in his last say twenty four starts, it's just so damn impressive that he's a guy that I will take a gamble on. Like I mentioned, I don't know if it was on the air yesterday or to somebody that if I I'm a guy that would take Kershaw in the first round because he just gives you such an advantage. And if if we did hitters and pitchers evenly, he's a seventy dollar player. So if I did take Kershaw in the first round. And say I went Kershaw, Maeda, and Hill. I'm pretty stoked with that Dodger stack, pitching in Chavez Ravine, you know. I, but the one thing I will say, see where the Giants hat, is I'm a little shocked that they a lot of places have the Dodgers running away with the West. Because when I look at the when I look at the Giants rotation of Bumgarner, Cueto, Samaja, and Moore, and I think uh, Matt Moore is going to take a really nice step this year. When he came over to the Giants last season, he started throwing the started throwing the cutter a lot. He didn't throw it in Bay in the first half, so that's that's a nice uh, weapon back in his arsenal. And Jeff Samarja, Samarja had like a tail of three seasons last year. First two really good, the middle two were horrific, and then the last two were good. And Samarja is another guy that's going to give you the innings. Maybe he won't get the strikeouts like he used to, but he's going to take that ball every fifth day. And that's something that you need to, you know, over the course of the season. I mean, I, I got to project uh, Samaja. If he pitches 190 innings, gives you a 380 ERA, and say 170 strikeouts, for where you're going to want to draft him, that's a win. And I'm not going to try to be a homer here, but you can't expect the Giants to blow over 30 saves again. It's just well, you know, that's not the only thing happen. I like. They, they got what's his name late Melanson. last year, Melanson. Yeah, no, no but I said they they saw Melanson. Who's the guy they got last year? The uh, lefty from Milwaukee. Oh, uh, Smith. That yeah. was huge. Will Smith. And they got him. I, I mean, they turned that bullpen over. It was Romo and Javi Lopez oh, for years. I like Derek Law and Hunter Strickland. May never be that kid that we thought was going to be that lights out closer, but he's still good. You know, everybody's got a role. So I totally it's, agree with that. They're not blowing 30 saves again. No, it's it's going to be another tight division like it's been the last, like, four or five years. It's been a race every year in that division. It's I like 
the way the National League is, it's each division, it's like a two-team race almost, and then each division has a third team that's either going to sneak in there and contend or just kind of kind of fall away. That's the way I see every division kind of playing out. Yeah, that makes sense. the Dodgers, Giants. I mean, the Rockies, the John Gray, I, I'm a big John Gray guy. I got him rock, ranked 36. My bold uh, statement, my bold prediction is he finishes the top 20 pitcher, 200 innings over 200 strikeouts. But that's a bold one. The interesting thing is the Arizona Diamondbacks. If Granky can get the Vila back come start of the season, if Taiwan Walker, who's looking pretty damn impressive right now, Robbie Ray ever finds any command and control on his pitches, you know, I mean, and Patrick Corbin maybe making it back. He was a guy coming into last year. I was I was pretty high on. I thought he would take a step, but he got crushed. So just a team to, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona and Colorado are making a little noise for that third spot. San Diego will be picking number one overall the following season. I mean, I don't blame them, though. Look, if you're going to be bad, be epically bad because you want that number one pick. And there's, you know, I'd rather win 60 games than win 70 games. You know, lock it up. Yep. Not, we're, we're pretty much on the same page with all that. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah. But we could sit here and talk all day. This is uh, this is good stuff. We're going to have to definitely uh, do this again sometime. This has been yeah, fun. Season. Lots of fun. Man. A lot of fun. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Um, everybody, check him out. Check him out on Twitter at CTM Baseball. His website, ctmbaseball.com. Uh, he says he's going to have his starting pitcher rankings and starting pitcher index all updated here pretty soon. Um, check him out on FNTSY Radio. It's online. Uh, if you don't check it out live, you can check it out on podcasts. I believe it's on iTunes and everything, right? Yeah, it's like there's an app and they have on-demand shows, so you can just, you know, download and listen. It's free. So yeah, it's tons of good stuff. And on Twitter over the next week or so, I'll be throwing out some nice stuff. So well, I'm telling you, follow this guy. Follow him. Um, tons of good information all the time. Matt, thanks for joining me. Awesome stuff. Thanks for having me. I had a pleasure. It was a blast talking baseball with you. Good luck in uh, 2017 in fantasy and in real life baseball. Hopefully we'll do, man. You too. You too. Enjoy the game tonight. Go USA. Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 29, your fantasy baseball starting pitcher edition. We will catch you guys next time.